ಫ್ರಾಸ್ಟ್ ದಿ ತ್ರೀ ಹಂಡ್ರೆಡ್ ಮಾರ್ಕ್ ಸೊ ವಿ ವಿಲ್ ಬಿ ಐ ಚಾಂಡ್ ದ ಶ್ಲೋಕ ಪ್ಲೀಸ್ ರಿಪೀಟ್ ಆಫ್ಟರ್ ಮೀ ಓ ಆಕ್ಚುಲಿ ವಿ ಹಾವ್ ಕ್ರಾಸ್ಟ್ ಫೋರ್ ಹಂಡ್ರೆಡ್ ಮಾರ್ಕ್ ಸೊ ಇಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಇನ್ ದಿಸ್ ಬುಕ್ ಸ್ಟ್ಯಾಂಡ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ಫಾರ್ಟಿ ಫೋರ್ ಪೇಜ್ ನಂಬರ್ ಹಂಡ್ರೆಡ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಏಟೀನ್ ಬುಕ್ ಬೈ ಗುರುದೇವ್ ಫಾರ್ಟಿ ಫೋರ್ ವೈಕುಂಠ ಪುರುಷ ಪ್ರಾಣ So please repeat after me. ವೈಕುಂಠಪುರುಷಪ್ರಾಣಪ್ರಣವಪೃಥುಪ್ರಾಣದಪ್ರಣವಪೃಥುಹಿರಣ್ಯಗರ್ಭಶತ್ರು
it becomes his uh, responsibility to make sure that he is the one who guides us one way or the other. When we are interacting with the world, how easy it is for him to inspire somebody to give us that particular guidance for that particular moment. Because he can appear through any form, because all the forms are his expressions only. You know, there is that joke that the Lord says, and there is this fellow who is caught in the floods, and he is sitting there, and uh, the other uh, religions, they have only one God, and he was praying to that one God. There was a chopper, he said, no, my God is coming to save me. There was a boat that came, he said, my God is coming to save me. A log, and there was there were two people there, and they said, jump, we can take you. I said, no, my Lord is coming, and finally he dies. And he says, it's not fair. It's not fair, I've had such trust in you that, you know, you would come and protect. Why did you not, when he meets one-on-one with the Lord? The Lord says, I came in so many forms, but you refuse to recognize me in any form. The Lord can inspire and create that method, create that advice for us, so that we do not go astray. We do not lose our path and focus. So even if we take that name of Lord, just like that, it becomes his responsibility to protect us. So give him some job. Usually Vishnu is depicted as sleeping on the uh, serpent uh, bed. Why? Because none of us give him challenging enough job. (laughs) My interpretation. That is not what the Shastra is indicating here. Vaikuntaha Purushaha Purushaha, see not understanding the depth of Hinduism, Sanatana Dharma, people react in such weird manner. One of the, one of the things that has always been mentioned is the Hindu scriptures must have been written by a man, therefore God is called Purusha. But that which is enlivening principle is neither stri natupuman, is neither uh, masculine nor feminine. The masculinity and the femininity is with regards to the body, that is the gender of the body. That which is enlivening does not have any kind of gender to it. So there are more than one ways to look at the word and its meaning. Purushaha here does not mean a masculine figure, uh, but Purusha means Purishayanath Purushaha. Now, what does Purishayana mean? Puri means a village, a township. 
wherein there are various facilities all put together so that the individuals can live you know, efficiently, seamlessly in that township. Now you have houses in one corner, then uh, you go all the way across the city to find some other amenities, then again come back and find some other, everything in that very township you know, to make it easier for everybody who is dwelling in. Similarly, all these organs of perception, action, mind and intellect have been put together for the jiva to express through. Pura means this pura, pura of this body, mind and intellect. The one who is enlivening it, that jiva is called purushaha. So ultimately, who is expressing as that purusha, as that jiva as well? Is that Paramatma alone? Though it is a reflected consciousness, still it is that Paramatma alone who is reflecting as this reflected consciousness. If there was no consciousness, what would be there to be reflecting? Nothing. Therefore, to exist even as, to express even as the reflected consciousness, it is he alone. Therefore, Purushaha means Jiva. Now, the second meaning is <clears throat> Purnatvat Purushaha. That which is complete unto itself. That which requires nothing. That which is uh, the very embodiment of fulfillment. Purnatvat Purushaha. Therefore, when we concentrate, focus and meditate on the self within, that which is ascertained, that which we abide in as an experience is that completeness within, is that uh, you know, fulfillment within. Therefore, it is called moksha, purnatvat purushaha or purishayanat purushaha. <coughs> And then Bhuvayaranyaka, you know, it describes it, it says, He is called Purusha because he has the first of them all, you know, that which has expressed. He is the Aushada, Purva Aushada, therefore he is Purusha. What is the Aushada? That which or that who consumes everything. So, Purusha also means the fire. Now, fire is one thing that can consume everything and change it into the nascent purity. Change everything into nascent purity which is carbon. So, therefore, he is the one who can burn all sins. So, don't keep waiting at the threshold thinking, you know, I am papoham, papakarmoham, papatma, papasambhava. Recently, I had made a statement. Nowadays, you can make statements through lot of avenues. <clears throat> so, I made a statement that the temple is not for uh, 
the saints or the museum for gods, but it is for the sinners to come and seek refuge. And there was quite a, uh, we feel good coming to a temple because of the sanctity and now you have ruined that for us by making us the sinners. Stop being so touchy. Who is the sinner? Sinner is the jiva. And the one who is reacting that ahankara is the sinner. Papo ham, papa karmo ham, papa atma, papa sambhava, trahimam kripaya deva, sharanagata vatsala. And it is only God who can, only that Lord who can burn away all our sins. Anywhere else, there is no scope for that ahankara to be wiped out clean. Therefore, that fire of purity which can bestow upon us the purity of consciousness by eradicating that ahankara. Therefore, he is called Purushaha. Vaikuntaha Purushaha Pranaha Pranaha <clears throat> That which enlivens. Prana. Now, prana shakti is the shakti of that paramatma alone. The spark of life can be the best definition for prana. The spark of life. In fact, in some Upanishads, it comes across, they say that when the sperm and the egg, they ovulate and in the garbha, there is conception, there is conceiving. What forms is a pinda, is the matter starts developing. And for the first trimester, it is at the end of the first trimester, is when that mister enters. That jiva enters. To enliven that matter layer. Up until then, it is just matter. That matter now gets enlivened and there is an enlivened embodied person developing, growing. Up until that three months, there is hardly any movement. Even science has confirmed that. Uh, it's, it's, that is why usually when people do get a confirmation, they start telling only after the first trimester. Uh, that is when the jiva has enlivened that layer of matter. That spark of consciousness which enlivens the matter is called pranaha. And once this prana goes inside, you know, at a physical level, the air that we breathe, the prana that, it does various physiological activities. If the prana stambana happens, 
if somebody has learned through the yogic kriya to pause their breath, Prahlada, Dhruvan, you know, Narada, in all these charita, you will hear that there was that stage after, you know, they reached to a stage wherein they became one with totality and they just did the pranastambana. They, they just took the breath and they stopped for a long time. The entire cosmos started feeling shaken up because there was no air moving. He has all you know, become one with it. He stopped the prana. So the air that we breathe, and it goes inside, it does physiological activities. If the air was not doing these physiological activities, there would be no hunger or thirst. Therefore, when we do the puja vidhi, and when we are offering the food to the Lord, and after Bhur Bhoswad, Atsavitunvarenyam Bhargo Devasya Dhimahi Dhiyo Yonak Prachodayat, you sprinkle that water and then circle it around clockwise, and then you show that food as an offering, you, you offer it to the Lord as if you are feeding Him. What exactly are you feeding? Prana Yasvaha. Apana Yasvaha. There are five pranas, and these five pranas are the physiological activities that happen inside. That Lord now goes inside as the air and then divides himself into five and starts doing these physiological activities. And because of these physiological activities that happen, there is thirst, there is hunger. So that prana, which is the expression of that paramatma, therefore we offer directly to that prana shakti. The naivedya offered is directly to that prana shakti, that cosmic energy. And that cosmic energy is here referred to as pranaha. Pranadaha, the next word. Pranadaha, the one who gives prana. The one who gives prana. A very famous story is Bhagavan Krishna goes to learn under the tutelage, under the uh, you know, discipline of Sri Sandipani. He was his guru. They were not there for a long time, but the little bit of time that he was there, he has acquired all the knowledge that had to be acquired. For me, it appears like you know, it was not necessity. He was already there. He is the avatar. But for the loka kalyana, but for the loka, you know, to say that the gurukula system is valid and everybody, even Lord, has to go through that system, he must have put himself through the system. And that is where is the story of uh, 
Krishna and Sudama and that Sudama does not offer the poha which was given because then the whole night they spend on that tree and he eats away the whole thing not offering anything to the Lord remembering that when he comes to meet him again he offers that pohe so that story is during this Sandipani time and it is for that reason that Gurudev Swamiji named all the training centers which train us in the Vedanta courses whether it be in English or Hindi or Telugu or Tamil, Kannada, Malayalam he named them as Sandipani Sadhanalaya that Sadhanalaya wherein the standard of what Sandipani taught is given or taught so after he was taught now Bhagavan Krishna said now that you have taught me both Guru and Guru Patni he prostrates to both of them and he says what may I offer as my Guru Dakshina so the Guru says not the, the, the opportunity to teach you in itself is sufficient I need nothing so the wife <coughs> she doesn't ask she doesn't say much but she starts crying then Bhagavan Krishna goes there and asks mother why is it that you are crying then she says you know, my husband is a virakta person, a vairagi. But still I know that even such a vairagi misses something because we lost our teenage son long time ago into the oceans. If we could have our son back, <coughs> That son, it is not like, uh, you know, the matter, body is lying there and the spirit has gone. There is no scope of matter nor spirit there. And Bhagavan says, I'll just return back. So he goes into the other world, traces this Sandipani's son, finds him, brings him back and gives him a body to be embodied in and then presents it back to the uh, as Guru Dakshina to his uh, teachers. So he is not just somebody who is enlivening but he who can do even such things wherein he can bring the ones who are gone by back to life. Pranadaha. Now on a totally different note. That was a mystical note. On a totally different note. The one who becomes so enveloped with love for the Lord. The very utterance of the Lord's name becomes your prana. It becomes like something that will enliven you. The moment you think of the Lord, the freshness that comes in is because the Lord is that glorious uh, Aishwarya that you just think of him 
and you are rejuvenated. Pranadaha. The Pranadaha, that, that word Daha, the added has two meanings. One meaning I have just explained in couple of shades. The other meaning, one meaning is to give, the other meaning is to break. It's something similar to sannyasa. One meaning that we all know, sannyasa means to give up. Samyak nyasaha. That is one meaning. We need to give up completely. Samyak nyasaha. The other meaning of sannyasa is sampurna nyasaha. To abide in something completely. Giving up the wrong identifications and abiding in one's own self is the true meaning of sannyasa. Both sides of the meaning have to be understood. So we know one part, we don't know the other part. We just know to give up. Give up and then do what? Abide in the self. Abide in the self completely. Similarly here, pranadaha, one meaning is to give an endeavor by prana and the other meaning is the one who has the capacity to take all the prana, absorb all the pranas back into himself during the pralaya kala. Therefore, he is called pranadaha. The one who gives life and the one who absorbs life unto himself. In fact, in one of the explanations in Padma Purana, I think it comes, where it says, all this expression comes out when he is exhaling. This whole uh, Chatur Yuga and uh, all these different Kalpas and uh, these different stories that are given that, you know, this whole time, all that is one Prana exhalation, Nishwasa. And when he absorbs it back, all the expression is again merging back into him. How long? Actually, he is very calm, you know, he takes deep breath. And then again, when it comes out, the entire creation comes forth. So, Pranadaha, the one who comes forth as life and the one who absorbs everything back unto himself. Pranadaha, Pranaha, Pranadaha. Pranavaha. Pranavaha. Bhagavan himself is the form of Pranava. See, Om is such a powerful mantra. Just by itself, very powerful syllable. One Mahatmaji was saying that just repeat about 10,000 times per day. Just Om, 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 Om. And you will find that Paramatma within this lifetime. And usually this mantra is not given to Grihastha. And this, this Pranava mantra is not given. Because what will it do? It will develop, invoke, lot of vairagya. 
on one side you, you just got married and then you initiate them into pranava mantra it doesn't uh, therefore it is given to the sanyasis to chant pranava incessantly just chanting pranava is more I mean, that powerful So this entire creation is an expression of that Paramatma and he expresses through into this matter, he becomes grossified as if, but essentially he is nothing but that Shakti, that vibration which he is expressing forth with. Now let me put this thought together. For you to grasp it nicely. <clears throat> there is a statement even in the Genesis in the Bible wherein it says that the world came from the world. The world came from the world and the world was with the father. A similar statement even in our Upanishads, even in our Rig Veda it comes that this entire creation is nothing but different forms of energies. And this entire creation came from that world and that world is very essence of that Paramatma. And what is that word? That primordial sound is called pranava or omkara. Pranavaha sarva vedeshu. That which is the essence of the entire scriptures. <coughs> Without adding which, the mantra that we chant is like chewing on the discarded pulp of sugarcane, like you know, the sugarcane juice is taken out, what is left, you keep chewing on it, there is no rasa in it. Similarly, you don't add om to a mantra, then what is that other part of the words? It is like the rasa taken out, the, the cud which, is, which remains without any rasa. So, add that Om to chant the mantra. Samartha Ramadas Ji, you know, the guru of Shivaji Maharaj, he used to say, you give it a double power. He said, Shri Ram, Jai Ram, Jai Jai Ram. Instead, he said, add Om in the, in the beginning and in the end. Om Shri Ram, Jai Ram, Jai Jai Ram, Om. And he says, Chant this 12 crore times. It took him about 1 crore per year. Chant this 12 crore times. Wherever that God is, He will come down to give you darshan. And He did that in His own life. The insistence was to add that Om. So Om is such a powerful uh, syllable that it is also said 
that when we have lots of fears, anxieties and emotions overwhelming, anything overwhelming, to calm that mind immediately, just internally, chant loudly, not outside, but internally, as if it is reverberating through the entire system, just chant Om loudly and the entire insides will become calm immediately. There was another Mahatma, when people used to come and they used to have some kind of uh, illness, you know, some abscess or some kind of fever or cough or, you know, allergies. So, he would place his hands, you know, so that he would transmit that prana shakti to that individual and he would say, keep chanting Om. He Om is such a powerful sound that it can even cure diseases. If only, if only we can tune our minds to that prana shakti and be able to chant it. Pranavaha, pranaha, pranadaha, pranavaha, prithuhu, prithuhu, <coughs> Now, King Prithu, he was born, it is only after him that this entire earth is called Prithvi. And now this King Prithu, what did he do? He invoked this earth in the form of a cow. And he milked that cow to bring prosperity to this entire earth. So it was like Kamadhenu. And he asked of various things to be produced. The ores, the jewels and the food and the you know, herbs. Various things. And he plowed, he plows this entire earth. So, it is this description of Prithu as to how he, uh, how he makes this entire earth livable. That in our Bhagavad Purana, the description comes that he in his chariot goes around this earth and a beautiful thing, you know, we just read those shlokas and we don't observe the significances of it. It's only after coming to this country that uh, that significance became even more evident. When as uh, even last year there were people from Kansas or uh, I don't know which state wherein they were saying that The earth is still flat. Have you heard of that? There was some state that, you know, they wanted to change the syllabus and have uh, uh, the... It is proven that, you know, the earth is not flat. They said, no, we believe that the earth is flat only. 
Now in that particular Vrittanta, in that particular story of Prithu, the first thing to observe is he calls this Prithvi as Bhugola. What does Gola mean? That which is spherical. Bhu, Bhumi is not flat and it is spherical. And that was Prithu, he gives that, just by casually he mentions that Bhumi is Gola, that's why it's called Bhu Gola. And he also mentions that this earth is Saptadvipa Vasundhara. There are seven continents on this Bhumi. Of these seven, one is non-livable. You cannot live on it. The other one, sometimes partially you can live on it for certain benefits, but it also is not purely livable. And he is saying because of the temperatures which will not be conducive. So, he is talking about Arctic and the Antarctic. Apart from that, there are five other continents and these continents can be lived upon. And then he mentions all the names of these continents. Each continent he describes with the, the kinds of terrains, you know, mountainous or the flat plateaus or various altitudes and other things. How many rivers, what kind of plants, what kind of uh, fruits, what kind of birds, what kind of vegetation, what kind of animals live. Is there a possibility? He explains all that in detail. It, it, reading through that particular segment, it felt like I was reading my geography textbook, which gave me a detailed study about, and I vaguely remember, but I think the prairies, uh, this is the land of prairies, right? Oh, okay, prairies, I am right. Then there is, uh, further down it is the pampas, and the kind of, uh, yeah, the grass, tundra, and he, it was like going through that kind of a geography lesson. Layer by layer, you know, he explains how uh, the different terrains are, how many rivers are, what kind of vegetation, what kind of plants, what kind of animals. And he has 10 children. Of these 10 children, 3 of them become, you know, they take to the path of sannyasa. Seven of them, he distributes these five continents to the seven, gives them population. Each one of them, he gives population and asks them to go there into these continents, populate these continents and use these resources wisely so that the entire earth can become you know, resourceful and the progenies can prosper. So that Prithu after whom this whole uh, earth is called Prithvi. So when you know, somebody asked that, somebody said 
that all uh, human beings came from, they can be traced back to Africa. So I said, uh, I don't have a problem accepting it as long as they trace it back to Prithu. <laughs> and now it makes sense, right? When it is a survey Janaha, you know, all of them are nothing but our own brothers and sisters. Some are dark, some are uh, fair in color. They are all from the same origin. Prithu and his seven sons. And therefore what Gurudev makes as a statement makes complete sense. This whole world is full of Hindus only. Why? He said those who were Hindus and those who are Hindus. Now, when Prithu started this, so the, it was Hindus, but they have drifted with other uh, mindsets. So they were Hindus, and those who are left as Hindus. So there are two kinds of Hindus: those who were and those who are. So the entire creation is, can be thought of that way. A new way to look at things. <clears throat> Vaikunta Purusha Pranaha Pranada Pranava Prutuhu Hiranyagarbha Shatrugno Vyapto Vayuradhokshajaha Hiranyagarbha Hiranyagarbha is a very um, technical term which is used for the creator's creativity. Garbha means the womb. So many places this, this particular word gets translated as Hiranya Garbha means golden womb. Hiranya means gold. Garbha means womb. Therefore it is called as the golden womb. And that would be a, an immature way of translating it. It is not that it is literally golden in color. What it means is that it is a golden opportunity for creative expression. Now what state is this Hiranyagarbha? Now the Hiranyagarbha, just to give you an example. When I have to speak to you on, say, the word Hiranyagarbha. So, as I am trying to speak, before it comes as something uttered by me, as a sound uttered by me, a continuous set of words uttered by me, before it can occur, before it can happen, first, it is originating here as a thought. All these thoughts that are related to this particular word, and there is various layers of meanings that can be given, all these thoughts as though simultaneously are popping up. 
So I have to string all these thoughts together. And while I am stringing them together, I need to find the most appropriate word for each expression so that it gives that meaning which this word is indicating at. I have not yet uttered them, but I have processed them just enough so that it can be uttered. Just before it can be uttered, they have not yet been uttered, it has been uh, thought through, it has been strung through, the sequence of logic and the sequence of words and everything that has to be organized, it has been organized thoroughly and it is just to be delivered and not yet delivered. At that stage, that thought with its comprehensiveness is called being in the state of Hiranyagarbha. That has got all possibilities of comprehensive expression, yet to express, not yet expressed. So it is a state between Vyakta and Avyakta. It is a state between manifest and unmanifest. Like the gross world that we can touch, feel and see, it is not manifested. Like the subtle world, you know, which cannot be thought of, it is not the subtle world either. It has already been thought, it has already been envisaged, it has been envisioned, it just has to express. Just about that phase, like the baby in the womb of the mother. Is it manifest or unmanifest? In between. Hiranyagarbha is that golden opportunity of possibilities which is already expressed but yet to manifest. Already expressed, yet to manifest. So even in those possibilities within, as a creator, who has, so one thing to understand, this whole manifest, unmanifest, whether you understand or not, there is a conscious, intelligent being whose thought process is the result of this entire creation. It is not left out in a big bang. And there was a bang and there was, it was quite big and whatever happened, happened afterwards. There is a story which is attributed to various scientists. The one which I have heard quite often is with regards to Edison. So Edison, uh, you know, had a lab assistant or somebody who was agnostic. And he had just been interviewed and he started coming to his lab to work. And, uh, you know, his, Edison was very much into, you know, Bible or God and, you know, these kinds of concepts. So the first day that this uh, lab assistant 
He was also a scientist, but way junior than Edison. When he came in, so there was one particular room, which you know he never opened. Edison never opened for him. And uh, after about three, four weeks, Edison opened it and there was this beautiful model. And a very beautiful model of the entire cosmos. Like a physical model. There was earth and it was spinning on itself, on its own axis and it was going around. Exactly similar to what the planetary movements were. It was nicely simulated. And this person was so enamored by it. It it looked so real. You know, is this what you were hiding for the past 3-4 weeks? So Edison said, uh, no. Right today when I opened this door along with you, it was the first time I am seeing it. It just appeared. So he looks at it, come on. How can things happen? Tell me the truth. I said, no, I am saying it for the fact. I am saying it for the fact that you know, just this is the first time that I am opening this door and this is such a marvel, something mysterious. It just appeared. I thought you were a scientist, you are just making up this uh, nonsense. So he said, oh, you can make nonsense and I have to believe your nonsense. But when I make a, a statement, it appears nonsense to you. This whole world can appear as a big bang, but this model of this world cannot appear in my room as a bang. Getting the point? Whether you understand this manifest, unmanifest, in in between manifest and unmanifest, there is a creator and he has spent enough good thought on expressing this beautiful creation. Understand what that thought is. Synchronize yourself with that oneness. And you will see this beautiful as an amazing expression. Not synchronizing it with it, with that cosmic uh, level. Looking at it from the ahankara standpoint. All that I see is misery, pain and sorrow in this world. Getting my point. That is called Hiranyagarbha. Hiranyagarbha, Shatrugnaha, Shatrugnaha, there is absolutely no Shatru for the Lord. The one who can annihilate, destroy any enemy. My point is, can there be an enemy? Can there be an enemy of the Lord? Because you saw the, you know, the, the Shishupala, Dantavakra, or you know, comes as soon as they are uh, they were done. What happened to their uh, Jeevatva? It merges back into the Lord. The worst of the worst merge back into the Lord. Therefore, you and I have a lot of hope.
Seriously. Now, whenever I read Puranas, there are certain characters, you know, I love reading about them because it gives me hope. One such story is of Ratnakara. Who is Ratnakara? He became Valmiki. He is to plunder, he is to loot, he is to kill, he is to do all sorts of things to take care of his family. At least I am speaking for myself. I have not looted anybody, I have not killed anybody, I have not plundered anybody. I have a lot of hope to look forward for. <laughs> so if you have not, you have also equal chance, equal opportunity. Hiranyakashipu, the Sishupala, Danta Vakra, Kamsa, Ravana, Kumbhakarana. No doubt there is a lot of similarity between Kumbhakarana and us. He also, all that he did was half of his time. If you go literally six months eat, six months sleep, it may be difficult to uh, you know, grasp. But otherwise, what he did and what we do is exactly similar. Half of our life we spend on eating, half of our time we spend on idling. And before we realize what has happened, life has gone by. If we take three eating hours, morning, afternoon, night, and the, the the effort put to raise enough money and resources to have those three hours of food, to cook that, to prepare that, to wash that, to clean that. Whole life is, is a papi petka sawal hai. You know, the, the Indian beggars talk amazing truth. What, what do they beg for? I wouldn't have begged if it was not to feed this tummy. Therefore, I stooped down to even to beg. Please feed me. It's all for udaranimittam bahugrata veshaha. Right? If it was not there, you know, no hunger, and probably we would have been lazy. If no hunger, then probably we would have become very noble. No, we would have been lazy. And what pushes us is that hunger. And what we waste our time is like that. What is his name? Ravana's Kumbhakarana. We waste our time either in eating or in sleeping. Oh, either or. Kama, Krodha, Lobha, Moha, Madha, Matsara, Asmita, Raga, Abhinivesha. Ten heads. Where are the ten heads? These are the ten heads. And though there are ten heads, the brain is not working. Ten heads, ten brain, ten processing units, it must be sharp. So there is a joke. When you put uh, ten uh, heads together ear to ear, Ravana ear to ear, right? What is it called? Long wind, wind tunnel. 
Because there is no brain in between. It's just hollow. It's a wind tunnel. What is the use of having ten heads and no brain? Consumed by our own Kama, Krodha, Loha, Moha, Madha, Matsara and other uh, you know, disastrous impacts of these. If they could get moksha, I am very much sure, I am guaranteed, I am getting moksha right now, right here. And I demand it out of him. Oh Lord, give me, give me right now. If you could give it to them, I am way better than them. Shatrugna. Because they are also not treated as Shatru. If they have a hope, I definitely have a hope. Shatrugna. Vayuhu, oh sorry, Vyaptaha Vayuhu Adhokshajaha. Vyaptaha, we have seen this many times in many different uh, references. Vyaptaha, that which is all-pervading, we have already seen the meaning of this in so many. We started with the word Vishwam. Vishwam means that which is all-pervading and expressing as this prapancha, as this beautiful creation. Vyaptam, that which is all-pervading. Vayuhu, Vayuhu, that which purifies. Have you ever gone on a trip 